back, episode nine, Off the Water Podcast. As usual, got my main guy sitting across from me, Mr. Chris Adams. Hey, I'm episode Mc- nine. Episode nine. Oh, sorry about that. I cut you off. Who it's are you all again? good. It's all good. Uh, I I am Hunter McCamey. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, That's it. So yeah, took us a year, almost a year, to get through eight episodes. Not quite, but almost. Yeah. How is that though? Because I thought we what well, we started in like what March, April? Did we? Because I feel like, like we that. do it once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that math is not nine, but yeah, yeah. We're about to crack the double digits. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> I know you did some like, uh, didn't you do some research on some of that shit? That's like, uh, I can't remember the numbers. Yeah, but like I think only one percent of people that start podcasts get past. Either episode ten or twenty. It was one of those two numbers. Yeah, kind of a weird. Or they don't last a year or something. I mean, I'm looking at at the gram here, and episode two went live on June twenty third. June. So the first one was probably April or May. April or May. Yeah. So we're not, you know, we're not to a year yet. Yeah, we're not quite. I feel like we're on track. To do one a month, yeah. which is, you know, just... <laughs> yeah, in 20 years, we'll be on episode uh, 37. <laughs> yeah, right? Woo! Hunter, Hunter's going to be a, a grandfather, and we're going to get yeah. to episode 100. It'll be, it'll be Hunter's centennial, and it'll yeah. be Off the Water Podcast centennial. Yeah. Cool. Well, that'll be... You know, that'll be fun, Hunter. That'll be cool. You could do the 100th episode on your 100th birthday. <laughs> right. It'll be pretty cool, you know? Planned it. Yeah. I don't know so, if that's ever happened in podcast no, world. I doubt it. Uh, we got a cool one today because, you know, this, this is your idea, and I think it's uh, yeah, I guess the, Well, no, it's not sound. my idea. Don't do not do that because I don't, I don't need hate mail from... No. Or the podcast was my idea? No, 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 no. The, no, the, the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do this yeah. one. Yeah. So we okay. usually focus or, or, you know, the the kind of the main gig with each episode is we do. We pick out a bottle, and we usually go with things that aren't, like, mainstream... As in, you know, something that, you know, you might see on the shelf, but you're like, I don't know if I'm going to pick that up. But anyway, this one's a little bit different because we're going to do the Infinity Bottle. Yes. Or specifically, your Infinity Bottle and my Infinity Bottle. Correct. Um, But for those listening, you might not have heard of the concept of an Infinity Bottle. So we're going to share that today, which, uh, you know, the short answer is it can be either an old whiskey bottle that might be you know empty and you can peel the labels off which is what you have done yeah i, um, I just liked the look of the bottle yeah it's, uh it wasn't anything super cool but it just to me it was it was a clyde mays bottle and it didn't have any engravings on it right so right. the the label was just a stuck on label so that was my first thing because I didn't have to like worry about there being engraving on it. Sure. Two, it had a stopper. I thought the stopper felt, you know, secure. It was nice, you know, because sometimes you get some bottles that have some stoppers, and you're like, this is junk. Yeah, they could fall out at any second. That's what you feel like, yeah. So, and then it just was a plain bottle. So, soaked it, completely took the labels off, and I have only known about the Infinity bottle concept for maybe about 18 months yeah. i mean i i think i knew about it two years ago but i didn't do anything about it sure and then i finally i don't know because most of the shit that i buy i wasn't 
you know, buying a lot of different stuff and trying a lot of different stuff until you and I really started talking about it, which yeah. is what drove us. That's why, why yeah, we're here. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so then I thought about it for a while and I was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to make an infinity bottle out of my fucking Jim Beam bottle. You know, <laughs> right. not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can, you know, or, you know, the maker's bottle, it, to me, it looked too maker's. The yeah. maker's bottle is kind of an iconic look. It is. You can, it's, you know, you can peel the label, you can peel the wax. It's a screw top, but it, the shape of the bottle just like gives it away for me. Yeah. And then I found this Clay's May, Clyde Mays bottle and I was like, yeah, that one will work. Yeah. You know, because the bullet bottle is an imprinted bottle. It is. Some of the other ones are just, I don't know. Yeah, they're noticeable. They just don't work. Yeah. Or they're plastic or junk. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, so regardless of, you know, a lot of people use a, uh, an old bottle um, and, you know, peel off the labels or myself i use a decanter just because i have had like two at the house for yeah. years and years and i have no idea what to do with them so right they became infinity bottles but aside from the vessel you put it in the concept is slowly but surely you add you know whether it's uh maybe an ounce or two or a pour or two of each bourbon or whiskey that you you know have at your little home bar yeah is to add to that over time until you kind of come up with, you know, either a half bottle or full bottle of this blend, this infinity blend yeah. of all these different bourbons and whiskeys and juices, you know, that you can add in there. Um, and you kind of have something that's unique and, you know, uh, it, it's, it's one of a kind. Now, we tasted both of ours. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've tasted mine over the past, you know, a few years. I, I try to take a sip every once in a while just to check it out. And um, unfortunately... I have yet to be pleased or like the Infinity Blend. Now, sure. that's just me personally because, for one, I have a really eclectic collection at home. I, I you know, I'm I'm yeah. not just a, um, you know, a high rye, you know, bourbon drinker. It, it's it's very sporadic. It's it's rye and Finnish bourbons and whiskeys and. Straight bourbons and just all kinds of different things. You really threw caution to the wind with yours. Yes. I mean, yours is like all over the place. It's 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 to infinity and beyond. Literally, it, you you have a bottle of Buzz Lightyear over there. Is what <laughs> yes. you got going on? And unfortunately, the taste uh, is representative <laughs> of is, that because is very it, telling. It is all over the place. It's very um, telling. Yours it, is a little like uh, you know when you were a kid and you you're at McDonald's or Wendy's or your favorite fast food establishment. And you just run the suicide. Oh yeah, of everyone, every fountain uh-huh. drink. It doesn't matter if high C oranges on it, lemonade, diet, whatever. It doesn't matter. You just <laughs> yeah. throw it. sweet teas at the end. You know, like if you're feeling you're feeling brave, you just run that suicide, and it's kind of what you did. Yeah, it's um, you know, but hey, I'm still drinking it. I, I'm gonna tell you, it's, I've had worse. Definitely, had I'd rather worse. drink that shit than fucking wild turkey. <laughs> Promise you. It's got some of that in there. I guarantee you that. <laughs> I know. I could taste old Russell in oh, there. Oh, yeah. But uh, I will say yours is definitely um, a much more consistent blend. <laughs> um, yeah. Mine's all over the place. I don't know what the hell, you know, what's going on in that Infinity bottle. But nonetheless, I still think it's a cool idea and something that's, you know, whether you have somebody over, you know, entertain at the house and you, you kind of have like a little point of conversation to talk about. Yeah. Um, and just being able to say, like, yeah, this is my Infinity bottle. It's got 
Stag Jr. and it's got Blanton's and it's got uh, crazy, you know, wild turkey stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, which just, that would be a hell of an infinity bottle. But it, yeah, it'd be, yeah, you know, it's all over the place. Chalk it up; it'd be a two thousand dollar infinity bottle. <laughs> but, yeah. Now I will say though, we were talking about this earlier, and we did talk about the vessel that is your infinity bottle. Yeah. You though have found. <clears throat> that your vessel has a shortcoming. It does, unfortunately. I will say it looks nice on the bar. Yeah. It's a great little talking point. But I unfortunately can't transport my decanter <laughs> when yeah. I want to actually go you know, somewhere. Like we took that trout trip in December, and uh, unfortunately couldn't bring that. But I was able to put some in a mason jar. And, you know, that's there, there's other ways, obviously, to cut it if you want to. But unlike the way that you do it with, you know, uh, a, a prior, you know, uh, Clyde Mays bottle, yeah. you're able to, to move yours around and, and carry it places. So Yeah, and <clears throat> that's also why I did it. One, because it looked kind of cool. And two, I got decanters at the house, and I really considered doing that. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah. I want to be able to take it. And the reason that I really thought of it was not me having tons of, you know, foresight for this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mine was really because as much as I enjoy entertaining at my house, you have been to my house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it is little. And it's not an entertaining house like, you know, the house when we lived here in Oviedo. It was sure. a little better to entertain um, just for the, the layout and the space and whatever. The one in South Florida is a typical older South Florida, small one car garage. Like, yeah. I mean, I got push poles hanging on the wall in that place. So <laughs> right. can't believe that Melissa allows this, but you know, it is what it is. So with that in mind, I was like, I can't really, if I'm going to show this off and I'm going to enjoy it with good friends, it's got to be mobile. Mm-hmm. So the decanter for me was immediately out right? because I did... Not this past New Year's Eve, <clears throat> but the previous, I did, you know, we, we do a, you know, we do the golf thing, which we could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight years running now, we do a, a, a golf, it's a four-man deal. It's been me and my buddy Eric, it's the, been the core group. The other two have come and gone, you know, uh, the one guy... Uh, Aaron is still in, he's been in now for four years running. And then that fourth guy usually rotates. Sometimes it's a family member that's in town. Sometimes it's a friend of a friend. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's never a, we show up with three right. and they put Daryl. That's just the, <laughs> the fourth man, this a single guy. You know, we don't do that. We don't do that. But, um, then what we do is we play golf, usually play 36. Um, and then we go to either Eric or. Aaron's house for, you know, a couple's get together. There's usually six or eight couples. We've been doing it, like I said, eight, eight years now. Yeah. And uh, it's nice because then you show up with an infinity bottle. And for people that like bourbon, like myself, but maybe don't know a shit ton about bourbon or nothing about bourbon, to like have somebody hand me like, oh, this is an infinity bottle and it's a fucking mess. Yeah. Have a sip. Like I'm kinda <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this is cool. You know, like yeah. all I did was just bring normal shit, you know? 
and whether you like it or you hate it, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, like it's just cool. It's you don't cool have to, to be about. a you don't have to be a bourbon scholar, or you don't have to. You just have to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll have some bourbon. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, and you may hate it, you may love it. It is what it is. But mm-hmm. it, it does. It brings a little like something in it. So keep that in mind, folks. Yeah. Be careful it, what you put it in. For sure. And you know, one one thing that I literally just popped in my mind that I hadn't really thought about with the Infinity Blend especially in kind of the same realm that you're talking about with people that might not be into bourbon, yeah. you know, fully. Obviously, you don't want to hand them, you know, a bottle of 130 proof because they're going to just, whew, it's going to melt their world, yeah. you know. But I always do giggle when we'll be out somewhere and like, because Melissa always likes to try anything. You sure. Know? And of course, you know, what does she like? She likes Blanton's. Right. You know, shit that we can't get. Uh-huh. Um, but it is funny because to your point, you know, we had like, E.H. Taylor barrel proof not too long ago. Or yeah. like I had Stag Junior not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. She's like, What's that? I'm like, it's one thirty one. You know, and she's like, Woo uh-huh. you know? And it's like, Well, when it's when it's twenty dollars mm-hmm. and it's one thirty one, you feel yeah. like you only gotta have one. Exactly. So I'm really gonna drink two of something else. Yeah. You know, there it is. Even though you might still have two of something <laughs> anyway. I might, I might, I might, yeah. I might. That's it. Um this Infinity Blend, to me, it doesn't taste or drink like a high proof, you know? So you kind of get you, you get that lower proof aspect, you know, around, <clears throat> I don't know what that, what our blends are, obviously, but, yeah. you know, but... I would love to proof it, though. I, it'd be really cool. I, I think it's probably around 100, you know, maybe. Yours? Yeah. There's no way mine is that. No, yours is probably lower. Because none of mine has... There's nothing in mine that's over, that's over 100. Yeah. I want to say the highest... What's that maker's cask? Is it like one something? I gotta look it up. It's around a hundred, I think. Yeah, but every everything else is ninety. Yeah, or lower. Yeah, 90 or ninety-ish. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, even normal beam is eighty. Is it? I yeah. Because so. I don't know. There's no. There's no Evan Williams single barrel in there. There's some of that seventeen. Eighty-three. Yeah. I keep wanting to be like Fetty Wap, you know, <laughs> 1738, <laughs> but it's 1783, I think. Um, yeah, there's nothing, which I'm sure yours is is higher than mine because you typically drink a higher. Yeah, usually 100 is my my low, Your so low, my low. minimum. Yeah. yeah, but like I said, there, there's there's some Blantons in there. You know, Blantons is like 93. Um, yeah, but there's a ton of Bottled and Bond bourbons in there, uh, too. The cast strength is 111.6. 111.6. But, uh, but that's kind of a cool thing because, you know, like I said, I, I've got some stag in there that's definitely 130-ish. I've got some of the barrel expressions that are like 120 to 125 in there. Yeah. You know, and, and that Infinity Blend doesn't drink, you know, 120. It drinks like 100. Right. So. Right. That's kind of a, you know, a good little bullet point if you are sharing this with other people that might not be mm-hmm. uh, used to drinking those high proof bourbons. Yeah. You get that little bit Or lower. as adventurous. <laughs> or as to want to want to buy something. It's funny cuz you know, you almost think like people might look at a bottle like that and see that it's 130 or see that it's 118 or 111 and they might be like, "Whoa." Yeah. And, and almost maybe they equate it to like a, oh, I remember having shots of Everclear back in, you know, and, and maybe they're like, fuck that. Yeah. I am not. And that's not really the case. Oh, it's not. Y- you know, I mean, if, if we've had, 
you know, Stags or Taylors or whatever that are all in that uh, 130 to 120 to whatever. Yeah. They got some pop. They do. You know, they, they got do. some pop, but it doesn't taste like that you were drinking gasoline. Exactly. You know, I mean, I've I've had an 80 proof or a 90 proof bourbon that is dog shit that obviously tastes worse, but tastes mm-hmm. tastes more like rocket fuel. Yeah. Than you know something out of out of Buffalo Trace that's high. Right. I don't know. Yeah, and typically you do get those flavors that are thrown in. You know, with, with like. Um, even with stag, you know, like the the stag that you you know mentioned was like one thirty one. The one I got at the house, I yeah. think it's like a twenty two A. It's um, it's the same. It's like one thirty two point whatever. Beam is one thirty one. Beam is, is eighty, it. by the way. But um, but even with those higher proofs, as compared to like an Everclear, or even like if you ever had just straight moonshine. You know, Everclear and Moonshine, at straight Moonshine, does not, uh, at least that was flavored. At your wedding, um, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't have any kind of, you know, flavor balance. So you're just drinking straight ethanol punch in your face, right? Yeah. At least with Going a good. right to the drag strip. <laughs> yeah, at least with a, with a good bourbon, you've got that flavor to back it up. Um, so, yeah. you know, it might be a 130 proof, but at least you hopefully or buying a good bourbon that's going to balance it out with some flavor. So mm-hmm. it's not just hitting you right in the mouth with ethanol. You're getting for sure. hopefully some vanilla, some caramel, some, you know, whatever, bacon, whatever, whatever that be. might taste like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, um, the infinity, the infinity deal is definitely pretty cool. Um, what I'm struggling with right now is I don't drink it often enough Yeah. to keep it <laughs> at a, uh, you know, a level in that decanter that it's not, you know, wanting to overflow. That's where I'm kind of at now. So I'm having to drink some to empty it out to sure. add more in of the bourbons that I've got recently. So, it's well, you know, that was another thing we talked about, though, because I guess you know, at some point you're gonna yeah. have to start it, right? And so. There's really no right or wrong answer, but I almost felt like that what I didn't want to do is just like take five bourbons and then just start dumping. Yeah, you don't want to like purposefully fill it up, meaning like at one time. Right. You know, because that that just takes away the fun. You want it to be something that, you know, you might spend – six months or a year like a little bit here a little bit here a little bit here right and then you finally get to this actual blend you know and of course yeah if you just bought five bottles and filled it up of course that's a blend but what's the fun in that like to me it's kind of like you want there to be some time in there um that you kind of build up that anticipation of yeah getting to try at some point no I, i agree it's it's one of those that is I don't know it. And if you want to like start with it, you know, and, and maybe ease into it, you could take and like, if you have a favorite bourbon, that's maybe not a, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say to do this with, you know, something that's hard to find, you know, like don't waste a half a bottle of Blanton's as your base, <laughs> sure. you know, but <clears throat> if you really like a, 
just a makers or you really like a just some basic, basic whatever, right? You could put half a bottle in it. Sure. And then from there, you can either stick with similar profiles or you can do as you have done and go crazy and put all kinds of wild shit in it. Yeah. I, though, because I don't, or because I haven't done it as long as you have, and I don't tend to buy as many, like, either different bottles or, you know, I, I really have to search out maybe some better supply because just the, the small, like, mom-and-pop type things. You know, I'm, I'm with Total Wine and ABC where I'm at in South Florida, and I just haven't explored enough mm-hmm. to, like, get out and get it. So if I have, you know, like Makers and Bullet and Basil Hayden and all that, like, I like all those. And they're all similar-ish. So that's why mine tastes like yeah. a blend of all those. <laughs> right? You know, like, yeah. It just tastes like another one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I was telling you what sort of made me think of this was I had seen it, you know, when I was Googling and looking and whatever, and it came up. But then I also was thinking to myself, like, you know, I wonder if you could, let's say, do two parts makers to one part beam or or whatever. I'm just picking these off the shelf because I have them at my house, and they're not expensive, and they're easy to find. Sure. But, like, I wonder if you... You know, if you had certain notes in one bourbon and certain notes in another one, and then you combine them and you're like, okay, that takes a little bit of both. You know, maybe it, maybe Makers is a little too sweet for you or something, and then you go to Beam and then you mix that in, you know, but then you stay in a similar profile and, you know, then now you have something that's like, wow, this is, this is pretty fucking good. Yeah. You can then just replicate that pretty consistently Mm -hmm. you know because obviously makers is made to taste the same every time and so is jim beam yeah or or whatever else if you want to substitute out 1783 for jim beam or or Mm -hmm. whatever it is and you can go through get you a case of mason jars the the small ones and do like two ounces of one one ounce of this one you know and change and just write on the lid and let them sit for a few days and then go through and taste them and you can be like i really like this ratio between yeah. these two bourbons and then just fucking bottle your own right and be like yeah this is what i like mm-hmm. and drink that and it's funny and it's not an infinity bottle but it's it's, it's a, a mini mgb you know, yeah it's like, a blend yeah yeah and that's what's funny honestly it's gonna be the new off the water podcast bourbon. <laughs> exactly Rock, yeah in three or four years, or two, three, five, I don't know the timeline, but yeah. maybe that's a thing eventually. But that's a good point you make because what's funny is besides single barrels, all other bourbons, and this is a very macro explanation, but they're all blends. Right. Even Jim Beam, even Makers, it's a blend. Yes, it's yeah. a blend of the same distillate, you know, and... and Right. Hundreds of barrels, but it's still a blend at the end of the day. But somebody that's very good at this 
can go barrel to barrel and go like this one tastes a little different. That Mm -hmm. one tastes a little different. That one tastes a little different, but all of those little tiny changes get washed out when you take a hundred barrels and dump them in a big bathtub. Exactly. Slosh them around and put them into one bottle. Yeah. So. And to me, that is super impressive by that <clears throat> master distiller or whoever the hell has you know yeah. control over that because they're having to hit a certain profile of flavor and taste that's been around for literally decades or or fifty years for some of these brands. Yeah, and has to be the same with every single bottle that you buy off the shelf. Right. Has to taste the almost the exact same. Yeah, which enough is that you can that like. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the population couldn't tell a difference. Right. Yeah, that's hard to even just. That's hard to think about. Yeah. That that's, it's, that's where the small batch term comes from. Yeah, and, which and I know you hate. I do because it's you know. Unless and you know you make fun of me by being like, oh, let's add <laughs> let's add that shit to the list that Chris hates. You know, <laughs> you and Taylor. Small batch. Y'all are like so. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start Hunter McCamey's hate list. Yeah. Number one. Number one. Small batch. Number two is the the reference of smooth. I hate the, t- the terminology <laughs> smooth because yeah. that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't use smooth as an adjective when you're talking about bourbon. There you go. That's just silly. Um, but yeah, the um, and, and of course, even aside from you know the the small batch blending to you know uh, eventually get to a maker's mark you know, expression or gem beam, whatever. There is also companies like Barrel that do actual blends. So they will source or, or could be their own stuff. They'll source who knows how many different barrels uh, and, and then eventually they'll land on, you know, a blend or a mix of two or three different types of bourbons. You know, one might be a six year, one might be a 10, one might be a 12 and also on top of that is, you know, blending is one aspect and then the other aspect is finishing and they could do both. Right. So they, you know, they, they yep. could take a blend of different finished whiskeys. Like, so it's, it's so crazy to think about, you know, um, how far you can really go with some of these things. And, um, it's very common that a lot of these companies and brands do blend whether it's you know one particular distillate that gets to you know the maker's mark just just regular old maker's mark expression yep or they do like what barrel does and they they specifically their their whole you know mentality is is just focused on sourcing and and blending different whiskeys to get to you know something that tastes like it was you know come out of one barrel Sure. Which is crazy. So you mean to tell me that a bourbon company that just started yesterday could have a could have a twenty year old bourbon? Of course they could. No. They gotta pay a lot of damn money. Yeah, right. <laughs> they Get they out certainly of here. could. Oh, that's funny. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, that's um part of what I like about the whole thing. And having one that doesn't taste good or doesn't taste like you had hoped or is like a little bit different is really just as much fun as, like, nailing it. It is. You know, I I would love and I hope someday we can actually go and, um, for one, I really want to do the Bourbon Trail at some point. i got to do that in the next couple of years. That's on the the list, uh, the to-do list. We'll write it off as a business expense. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But even one day, and this is a, a total, like, shooting for the stars, but 
be able to actually do like, you know, our own line of bourbon or do like, uh, you know, what a lot of people do, uh, especially the guys like, you know, the influencers on YouTube or Instagram is um, they do actually like store picks, you know, the same as yeah. if a, a, you know, liquor store would go to a distillery like Maker's Mark or, or uh, you know, Buffalo Trace and or Four Roses, you know, um, whoever the company might be. And they'll actually do a store pick or a barrel pick where they will, you know, they'll walk into Four Roses and uh, that distillery will let them sample eight or ten different bourbons or, or even more. And they will actually get to pick the specific barrel that they want to bring to market. So they mm-hmm. pick out the barrel and then, uh, you know, of course, the distillery will hand that barrel off to maybe a distributor or whatever. And then um, eventually you'll get all of that product, all those bottles shipped to your door. Yeah. Uh, so obviously that's more on the, you know, liquor store side of the game. But correct. A lot of these, you know, influencers have such big followings that they can actually afford to buy a barrel from a distiller, right. have it bottled, and then they'll sell it off to their, you know, their fans or their following. Yeah. So that's, you know, one way to do it, but that's uh, certainly way down the road if, if ever. That would be a pretty cool goal to get to eventually, though. Be awesome. Damn it, I hate the term influencer, too. Influencer. Like, I, just, I hate it so much. But that's just because of fishing, not because of yeah, sure. whatever. Mm-mm-mm. But, uh, you know, even if it's not through maybe a brand that we create or whatever, even if we just – the experience of going there and picking out a barrel would be so cool. I don't, I don't really give a shit about – putting our name on it <laughs> the hassle involved with that would be oh fuck that it would no, be no, no, so no. difficult no. just just what we need is we need like the atf <laughs> no 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 because um, we didn't do the paperwork right or some shit. I, I would just love to go and do the experience of picking yeah. out a barrel like that to me is that would be super super cool yep um and hey if we never get there that's all good but at least going and, and checking out the distilleries is on the list and, and definitely gonna do that in the next Couple of years, make a trip up to old Kentucky and yeah, hit the Bourbon Trail. There's uh, certainly plenty of distilleries to to hit on the list. I think you can. I think they have different versions of that trail. You can do like you know, I'm sure a couple days, or you can make like a week out of it and hit you know forty, fifty distilleries. It's crazy. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, I'm in. Wild Turkey is definitely on that list, just so you know. <sighs> I'm going to go up there and punch Russell in the mouth. <laughs> Russell. Golly. No, I'm not going to do that. But I'm not a fan. Not a fan. What that else you good. got? What else you got on your plate over there, Hunter, man? You want to uh, you wanna talk about how shitty the weather's been? Well, it or is. What did <clears> – I <throat> feel like I was going to – what was it that we were going to talk about? Well, we were going to talk about weather and yep. cigars. Okay. So, obviously, January. We, luckily, living in Florida, did not experience any of the crazy snow that literally almost the entire rest of the U.S. <laughs> experienced. Oh, but fuck it man. has yeah. been cold. So cold. Yeah. Dipped into the 30s over the weekend, uh, which... 30 in Florida feels like it's negative 57. So I don't care what you guys say, wherever you're listening, it gets, it feels colder. I was going to say it gets colder. That's not the right way to to phrase it. Florida feels colder than anywhere else. 
Period. don't care. I would put 50 degrees in Florida. The end. Feels like 20 degrees anywhere else. Whew. I'm telling you. It sucks. Because we were, I mean, when we were up there at the damn trout trip, that was 28 in the morning on yeah. the first morning. And I mean, by like 10 o'clock, I was ready to come out of some clothes. Yeah. And I just couldn't imagine here with it being 28. Didn't you say it was 37 up here? It was 30. In north central Florida? 38 Sunday morning. And um, I went back home to Tennessee for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it was actually very warm considering the time of the year. Up in the 50s and 60s most of the time. But the first night we got there, it was down into like the low 30s. And honestly, I could have wore like a long sleeve shirt outside and been okay. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have stayed out there for an hour, but I wasn't like, you know, miserable. Right. You step outside when it's 38 degrees in Florida, you better have more than a long sleeve shirt on. Yeah. Uh, Because I went out, I got up early on Sunday morning, took the dog for a walk, and I was in like two shirts, a hoodie, um, like a beanie, sweatpants, and, and I was still yeah. a little no, chilly. No, and no, and <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. and no. It's it's a different ball game down here. Luckily, though, it doesn't stay like that year round. So thank God. It, although it's already felt like a year for it being cold, because I was just looking here at the weather and and stuff. Like it's crazy because it was, you know, in the low 50s last night it only was 68 today and it's going to be 80 on wednesday that's the crazy thing you got these up and down up and down extremes that just all over the place yeah and then next monday is going to be 49 yeah those fronts they come through hard and then you know two or three days later we're we're you know sweating up 20 30 degrees which is fine by me because you know what i always say yeah I am. I wish it was a hundred every day. Yeah, and I know this past summer was hot. It was, and I had clients calling me like, "Hey, I know you say that you like it to be a hundred every day. How you feeling now?" And I'm like, "Still pretty good. <laughs> Still pretty good." I was a lean, mean, sweating machine, but yeah, I loved it. Well, I have. Uh, I've heard some really good reports. From a couple people out of the lagoon recently. Yeah. Uh, water quality seems like it's getting back in better shape. Decent amount of grass. Talked to one guy last week. He had like a 30 fish day on fly. Okay. Which was, you know, that's unheard of. Yeah. You believe uh, that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know him that well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it a if customer? I did, Is it like somebody that you know, know? Uh, First Is it a time, person that works here? First time I met him, oh. uh, I met him through work. He's one of our uh, one of our new vendors. Uh, anyway, yeah. can't, I can't tell he's trustworthy or not. Sure. But How old would you say he is? I'd say mid-20s. Okay. Is, uh, does he work for a rod company? Yes. Okay, then I wouldn't believe that motherfucker because yeah. I, I have a feeling I know who it is. Okay. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah, hey, whatever. I mean, I mean you know, good Good for that person. I can't attest to the number of fish he caught that day. Yeah. But he did back up the fact that the uh, 
the water quality, the clearness, right. the all that is the the ecosystem itself. Yeah, is uh, much improved over uh, the past couple of years. So. Yeah, uh, you just you know what what our fish are like over in the Mosquito Lagoon and the difficulty and all that and and whatnot. And when you couple that with somebody that probably hasn't been fly fishing for two years, it's a tough sell. Yeah, it's a tough sell. I was also very uh, yeah skeptical. Skeptical. Yeah, so cool. Which really bodes well for buying all his other shit he's peddling <laughs> too. I guess I probably wouldn't have led with an unbelievable story when you're going to also try to sell me something. Fair enough. Yeah, but um, I believe you're going to head out on the lagoon this week sometime. So yes, I hope, I hope you and Taylor have a very good day and. Yes. I hope the weather cooperates more. I than was anything. just looking at that. It's actually supposed to be fairly decent. Good. You know, I mean, a little breezy. Fine. Whatever. I mean, I don't care. I don't, I don't get to spend much time on the pointy end of a boat. Um, and I have pushed that motherfucker from here, <laughs> from here to the end of the air and the back. Well, he's probably going to hear this. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Well, and, you know, that's the best thing about Taylor is he's very self aware. Mm-hmm. You know how some people are like, oh, oh, come on, come on, whatever. No, Taylor is, he Takes is. It. He knows. Yeah, and he is also like, you need to try to fish when you come up here because I owe you and I want to I push you because, you you know, blah, 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 which is what a true friend does, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I'm going to hassle the fuck out of him. Of course you are. But it's going to be great. <laughs> it is going to be good. And I don't, even, I don't care if we catch one. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Probably have a little bourbon. Oh, probably his ass. Probably have a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of cigars. Yep. So, a couple episodes ago, you gave us a little Cigar 101, Cigar Corner rundown. Yeah. What you got for today? So, we kind of went over the basics, and then I think you uh, you threw in a little suggestion for kind of like your go-to. Yeah. What, um, what do you got for today? So, I was thinking of, I kind of did the, the like, if I had to smoke one cigar for the rest of my life kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, last time, the CAO Brasilia, and that was something that's also, like, not expensive. Um, that's going to be, you know, if, if you walk into a brick-and-mortar shop, you're probably going to pay, depending on what size you get, uh, 650 to 850 You okay. know, something that's not crazy. That's not like, bad. if you go to a cigar bar and you order a drink, the drink's probably going to cost more than that cigar. Yeah, absolutely. Depending on where you're at, unless you get a bush light. Sure. But um but great cigar, you can it's it's for for people that don't smoke a lot of cigars, it's probably a more of like a let's have a cigar after dinner type thing. Not like <clears throat> smoking a cigar at noon in the summertime in the heat before you eat lunch, you know. Yep. It's a it's just a little stronger cigar. Um I was thinking for this time. Um Spend that money and get, I'll give you an expensive splurge stick this time. Okay. And this would be something that you can also, uh, you know, if you need, if you have a cigar lover in your life, whether it's a colleague, a boss, significant other, family, whatever, um, go ahead and spend the money on this one. So this comes out of Placencia is is the house um it's a very 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 famous family 
um, heritage-wise, you know. And, of course, comes out of Cuba, you know, family in, in mid to late 1800s. Um, then they start building up, you know, traditions, things like that. Um, generations, I should say. Um, but, you know, they learned, the family came out of Cuba, learned in Cuba, then um, did a Central America run. So I am somebody that really, really likes um, cigars. And, and when I say Nicaragua, <clears throat> this is current Placencia cigars. So they didn't just leave Cuba and go right to Nicaragua. Um, I read, I think it was, they did Mexico for a little bit, and then they slid down to Nicaragua. So still Central America, but adjusted a little bit. So I am somebody that likes a lot of Nicaraguan cigars. Um, they have volcanic soil there, and it is like most of it that I have seen. Uh, when I used to travel with Trek, I used to go there all the time. You know, we would hunt ducks, fly mm -hmm. into Managua and go to Chinandega, and you'd see the volcanoes in the background and all that shit. So, like, smoking active volcanoes. Um, so that soil there is, like, jet black. They're growing sugar cane. They're growing tobacco. They're growing fucking everything grows in it. Okay. Um, you know, they have black sand beaches. Like, it's really, really cool. So I just kind of fell in love with it, which is how I got into the vice of cigars anyway, is traveling around. Um you know, with these older rich guys that could fly all over the world and hunt and fish. And yeah. I just got to go to learn it. And that was my job. So I would, they, these guys would be talking cigars and show up with them. And then my boss at Trek was like, you need to buy some fucking cigars and take them. So you need to learn what they like and whatever. Cause then the Trek guy shows up and he's got a box of cigars and everybody, you know, how are you not going to celebrate that guy when he shows up? Right. He's like, so if it's raining one day, you know, you get to lean on a box of cigars and not hear them bitch about it fucking raining and they can't go dove hunting. But, um, so anyway, I'm a Nicaragua fan. Um, you know, I've liked all, a lot of the CAO stuff, the, the Rocky Patel stuff, all that that comes, most of that that comes out of, of Nicaragua. Um, and of course they, they have stuff in Honduras as well, but the whole like Nicaragua, Honduras is like hand in hand. I mean, they share a border. Um, I mean, I remember being in Nicaragua and picking up Honduran cell phone towers. Like, it's just everything you do down there seems like it's they're they're very comparable. Um, so the the one that you're going to spend the money on is going to be called an Alma Fuerte, A L M A F U E R T E, Alma Fuerte. Now. If you're going to spend the money on it, you might as well get the big dog. Mm -hmm. So there is a cigar shape that I particularly smoke when I smoke the Almaforte. And this is a hexagonal oh. press. So you will buy, for example, a cigar that has, like a regular cigar is going to be round, right? Sure. And I say regular is a very, very loose term because like, but most cigars you've probably seen have been round. All of them. All of them. Okay. <laughs> right. So then there is a cigar <clears throat> called a box press cigar, which is rolled 
obviously round and then they put them into like a mold and they press them and it forces the cigar into a box shaped so it's rectangle yep um or square some are rectangle some are square i have some indian tabacs that are rectangle i have some oliva series g's they're square so just because it's box pressed doesn't mean it's square or rectangle it just means it's hard sides right okay this almafuerte uh is called the hexagono and it is six by 60. it's a big dog so six inches long and it is a 60 ring gauge right okay so we talked about it before the ring gauge is based off of 60 fourths of an inch right so a 60 64 that's a big one it's pretty big yeah so but you know if you're going to get you one you're going to be looking at probably 22 to 25 dollars a stick okay so if you buy a box you know most cigars you know not a lot about cigars but how many cigars come in a box usually do you know uh a dozen Okay, no. I thought, I thought you know, most people, 20? usually it's like 20, okay. 24, or 25. Usually that's a box. So the Placencia Almaforte is only come in a box of 10. Okay. Usually when you see a fucking box of cigars and they come in a box of 10, you already know. It's You're going to have to fucking cough up yeah, it's a lot. the money, right? Um, so the Hexagono, or the, uh, yeah, is going to be $225 a box. Okay. Um, but depending on where you're at or where you're vacationing or, you know, if, if you're having a, a nice night out with the wife, I mean, I've, I've been guilty of spending more than $20 on a martini for her. <laughs> I and I say, or a poor bur- a bourbon. I've been so. guilty of spending more than $20 on some bourbon. Sure. Um, so if it's a big night out, yeah, get you one glass of bourbon. And get you a nice stick, and it's very nice, and it's it's very good. It's an it's an after dinner thing. Um, it is not the, you know, like flavor profile wise. It's not going to be the strongest cigar that I've had, or that you know they have. So if we were gonna like rate it one to five, five being the strongest, you're probably gonna experience like a three, three and a half, a four, you know, okay. depending. So it's not crazy. Like you're not going to get like dizzy per se if you're new. Um, but all parts of this cigar come from Nicaragua. Okay. So it's, it's unique because not all cigars are like that. So you have different parts of the cigar. You know, you have the filler, which is the middle. Just like if you look at it, in a cross section, all the shit, all the tobacco you see in the middle is filler, right? Now, it looks like it's all one just bunch, but it's, it's not. It, the middle is bunched into filler. Then you have a binder, which binds the filler and holds that while they put the final single leaf wrapper on the outside. Okay. So, and that's just to make it look like, really clean and sexy with like one piece of tobacco that rolls it and it's all one nice piece, right? Because the center being the filler is going to be clumped. So like it's, it's going to be like, like 
not like a cigarette. So a cigarette is like a bunch of just like chopped up fucking little pieces of tobacco that are like, I mean, granted, it's processed and shit like that. Yeah. But it's, it's not long pieces of tobacco, whereas a cigar is long pieces of tobacco leaves. They're not like running a food processor and then fucking stuffed in a paper tube like a cigarette is, right? Yeah. So they take this filler, all this bunch of leaves long, squeeze them together, put them in a binder, which is also from Nicaragua, and then the outside wrapper is also Nicaraguan. So it's kind of unique because sometimes you get, you know, like the CAO Brasilia is has like Nicaraguan filler but a Brazilian binder and a Brazilian wrapper, you know? Okay. So it, shit like that kind of happens, you know? And then you have certain other ones that might have, you know, an African Cameroon filler with a Honduran binder and wrapper. So mm-hmm. it, and they're doing that just like the bourbons. You know, you have a guy that is a, not a master distiller, but he's <laughs> sure. a master blender yeah. In terms of tobacco and like this one's aged this long, this one comes from this climate, that climate, this type of leaf, that, you know. Whereas like when you hear of something called a Connecticut broadleaf, that is a USA Connecticut, like the state of Connecticut tobacco leaf. Gotcha. So like that leaf can then be taken somewhere, you know, but that's kind of its, you know, where that was made famous. Yeah. Right. So. Hmm. It can be very interesting, but not every single cigar that you ever find, if it says that it's made in Honduras, that does not mean that every part of that cigar leaf is from Honduras. Gotcha. Because not that it would be boring, but then you just couldn't, you couldn't get all the different, you know, profiles that you want. So, Mm -hmm. and there's no rule or law against being like, oh, no, 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 no. They all have to be from this or they all have to be from that. There's not really like, you know, with the bourbon and, X number of percentage has to be this or that, or mm-hmm. it can't be called bourbon. It's not necessarily like that gotcha. in, in the cigar world. But um, so long story long, mm-hmm. short story mm-hmm. long. Uh, the Almaforte. Um, now, there are two Almafortes. Um, there is one that is like a green label. Um that is that is not the one that that I particularly like. The Almaforte, the the darker one, is it's going to be a black label. It's going to be the 1865, is the uh, is that one. So 1865, cool. the Almaforte. It's got a black label on it because the green label also has a hexagonal, but um, it's just not my. That's not the one that I favor. Gotcha. Per se. The, the green label uh, has a designation called the Colorado. It is also 1865, but Colorado is the, the designation there on the green label. So, Gotcha. Yep. All right. I'm going to hit you with a question here. This is something that I've wondered for quite a while. Oh, no. So what makes a good cigar good? Because to me, at least in my experience, and, and I haven't necessarily like put attention towards this, but yeah. the cigars that you've given me are the ones I've had in the past. Obviously there's some taste differences, but of course me not knowing what to look for or taste, I have no idea, right? Yeah. So with like, you know, comparatively with bourbon, I look for 
you know, something that's going to have unique flavors or a certain profile or, you know, right. I, I'm looking for something I, and I know what I'm looking for. Yeah. With cigars, that's different because I don't know what I'm looking for. What would you say makes a good cigar good? Well, and you know, <clears throat> you, you didn't always know about the bourbon, right? Sure. So yeah, at, at some point you're going to have to, you're going to have to throw it out there. Oh yeah. Give me that guy. Just put her in there. Yeah, it's got water. Okay. Yeah. Water ain't never hurt nobody. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, we're doing a, a quick cube edition here, folks. All right. Anyway. Um, so, you know, with, with the cigar thing, it's kind of like the bourbon thing, right? You know, you kind of didn't know what you liked until you tried some shit that you liked and then you tried some shit that you didn't like, <laughs> yeah, right? That's a good way to put it. Ugh. So, um, some wild turkey. <laughs> yeah, get you some wild turkey. So, I uh, how I would start would be I wouldn't just go to the general um, cigar brands like. I'm trying to I'm trying to think how to explain this. So when you when when people think of a cigar, right, that they maybe have never had or like one cigar name that's maybe the most famous cigar names in the entire world is probably Cohiba. Okay? Well, there are two Cohibas, right? There's also two Macanudos, there's two Partagas, there's two Punch one being a Cuban Cohiba, and one being a um, non-Cuban, which is owned by General Cigar Company, Inc. All right? So General Cigar Company, and it's funny because CAO is also owned by General Cigar Company, but you typically think of these like, Cuban cigar brands is like, okay, I've heard of this brand, so I'm going to automatically try that one. To me, I feel like those brands are like watered down, and it's like just the basic, basic whatever that somebody sees and is like, yeah, I can buy that. Like if you go into ABC, you know, and you like look and they have like a, a single cigar in like a tube and whatever, it's probably going to be a fucking Macanudo or it's going to be a Cohiba. And it's just going to be the shit that's like, okay, I'm at a cigar shop or I'm at a liquor store and I want to grab a cigar to have with the boys tonight and I don't know what to get and I'm just going to get that shit. Okay. Okay, whatever. Like it's 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 going to be decently constructed. The flavor is going to be kind of normal, but it's not going to be something that's going to be memorable and you're probably going to spend more money on it and get a worse product than if you just walked into like a regular brick and mortar cigar shop and the guy in the humidor is going to ask you like well what do you like and you're going to be like look i don't know because i've never fucking had a cigar before <laughs> or you're going to tell him like yeah i've had a macanudo out of a tube that i bought at a golf pro shop that probably wasn't kept properly sure and they're going to go, oh, okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. 
And then he might ask you like, well, are you going to smoke it tonight after dinner? What do you like to drink? Are you going to smoke it on the golf course? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Because those are all questions that, like I said, you can handle and you might enjoy a heavier cigar after you eat a steak dinner and you're drinking bourbon and you're sitting at a cigar bar or on your back porch as opposed to playing 18 holes in May in Florida. Yeah. Probably not. If you're new to this, it's probably not going to be the same cigar. Um, So, yeah, they're going to ask you, like, where you're going to smoke it, what do you like in terms of, you know, you want something strong, do you not want something strong, and what do you want to spend? And they're going to steer you to something that is going to be better. And then from there, you're going to go like, okay, for example, this CAO Brasilia is, you know, you know, you could do a little research from there, right? Because you'll look at it and go, okay, well, it's got this or it's got that in it or it comes out of, it does come out of Nicaragua or, oh, it comes out of fucking, it has a Brazilian wrapper with a Nicaraguan filler and it's got, you know, and then you can start going like, okay, well, let me see what else has... You know, I mean, the first time I'd ever had a Cameroon uh, leaf cigar was the Oliva Series G. They make it in a um, they make it in a Maduro, and they make it in a Cameroon. And I had it, and I was like, "Fuck, this is amazing! I wonder what makes this as good as it is." And come to find out, I just have a an affinity for the Cameroon. And whenever I find a cigar that's got Cameroon leaf in it, I try it. And I usually like it. Okay. You know, there's like ups and downs to it. But I'm also somebody that doesn't, I don't particularly smoke a very light cigar like a Connecticut broadleaf, which when you look at it, it looks like a pair of khaki pants. Okay. Like really light brown or tannish. Yeah. 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 Really like a khaki color. Whereas, you know, when you look at like the CAO Brasilia or that. Placencia Alma Forte, or you look at like a Padron, anything that says Maduro, it's going to be dark. You know, it's going to be like, you know, dark woods, like mahoganies and things like that. It's going to be that color shade. Whereas, you know, your Connecticut broadleaf stuff is going to be real light, tan, khaki color. And it's going to be, you know, not that strong in terms of like heavy smoke and heavy flavors like you know, fig and raisin and cocoa and, and things like that. You're going to have much lighter, you know, you're going to have like different, like lighter nut type flavors in those. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody, we talk about this with the bourbons too. I, I can't sit here and be like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. vanilla and raisin yeah, and cinnamon and sure. fucking whatever. No, but I can damn sure tell you within like three minutes if I fucking like that cigar or not. Yeah. Like real quick. So, you know, I would go in. And buy five, you know, get five, go in and expect to spend, you know, between five and $10 on a cigar and get five of them. You know, you're going to go in there and spend 50, 60, $70, whatever it may be with tax and get some, like a couple different things and then have at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then, you know, you'll figure out if you want to get into it or not, but there's no sense in like running out and buy a whole box of something yeah like i don't i you know yeah that's a good tip because that'll definitely like kind of hone in you know a little profile that you're looking for whether Mm -hmm. it's you know split up between maybe the different countries of origin or like you know whatever whatever it is you know and and bourbon applies the same way like you know you could walk in there and 
do a maker's mark, do a gem beam, do a, a, a you know, like a, something from Buffalo Trace. Like right. you, you could pick out five different distilleries and then hone in on like what profile you 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 like because they're much. all different. Oh yeah, for sure. And then kind of go from there. Yeah, and you know there are some, you know, like for example, CAO has, I mean, so many blends that there are ones I don't like, and there's probably ones that I'm missing out on that I might like that I just don't want to try because maybe I'm just like, eh, that's a lighter leaf or that's a whatever, or, you know, I probably won't like it, and I'm probably missing out on some shit, you know? But, okay. Yeah. It it is what it is, you know? I would be more of a creature of habit in terms of that, you know, like... I drink the same, you know, I go and buy a fucking handle of Jim Beam and some ginger ale right. for like tailgates. Like I just, I know I like it. I know I handle it well and I drink it. Yeah. You know, it's just like the CAO Brasilia. It's the only cigar that I buy in boxes. It's the only one, gotcha. you know, like there, there are some that like, oh, I like that one and I'll get, you know, a bundle of them, 20 or 25. It'll take me a, two years to go through those, you know. But I also have three humidors at the house. Right. Which is, you know, it's pretty stupid. But <laughs> it is what it is, you know. And then I get gifted cigars and things like that. So I have, like, I get shit all the time. So I, I do have a reason. And, like, when you look on a humidor rating, a humidor might say it's rated for, like, 25 cigars. You can't put 25 cigars in a 25-cigar rated humidor because you have to have – there has to be room in there. Most of the time – the humidors come with this sticky, like stick on plastic disc that's got this green fucking floral, you know, the, you know, the green shit that you make floral arrangements out of the green foam that sure. soaks up yeah, water yeah, and holds yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So when you get a cheap humidor or not a super nice one, you get this like puck with holes drilled in it and it's supposed to help supply the humidor with the proper humidification, which is supposed to be, they're supposed to be kept at or, or very close to 70, 70, which is 70 degrees, 70% humidity. Right. Okay. So this little puck that's got this green foam in it is supposed to hold water and you're supposed to refill it. Well, it's, it's junk. You just might as well just fucking rip it off the lid and throw it away. And you can get you like a, a, it's inexpensive, but they're much better. They have these little gel pack. It looks like the same puck, but inside of the puck, there are these little mm-hmm. tiny gel balls yep. that when you put distilled water in them, because you can't put regular water in it, because it has regular water has shit in it that'll mold. So uh, put distilled water in there, or there's a solution you can buy, but you don't have to fucking worry about that. Sure. So you get that little humidification device, and you put it in there. So now that device, I don't hang it from the lid of the thing. I, I get it, and it looks like the size of, like, two shot glasses. So then that's taking up room. But you still shouldn't put 25 cigars in a 25-count humidor anyway because you can't really gauge, like, the one cigar you get might be a 50 ring, and then you might yeah. have some 60s, and there's something all going to fit. So, like, you know, I have a – I have – Two 150 counts, and I have a hundred count. And I bet, I bet in the hundred, there's probably, I bet in the hundred count, there's probably 40 
and then I have like, you know, they got a divider in it. So I put the little jar in it and then I put the divider in it. And then I have, you know, cause I have some little, those little skinny thin cigars mm-hmm. that are just like I smoke in the morning sometimes if the bugs are real bad at the boat ramp, cause I'm not gonna smoke a fucking hour long cigar at a boat ramp, sure. waiting on clients. Or like when we're fly fishing in North Carolina and you just, you don't want a big cigar, but you like want something for the next 10 minutes. Um, I have some little shorties like that, which those are just like throw away what they call maker's choice, which means the people that are rolling the good shit, they have trimmings and clippings that they're cutting off to build the good shit. Well, those trimmings maybe have an imperfection in them or the leaf vein is larger than it should be or things like that. And they push all that shit to one side. And then when that fucking pile gets real big, instead of throwing all that tobacco that's really good away, it's prime, you know, tobacco flavor wise, but it doesn't look good. They take and they roll these little cigars that look like a a little bit thicker cigarette. They're mm-hmm. not as skinny as a cigarette. They're a little thicker, but they're a little bit longer too. They'll roll those and they'll smoke those while they're rolling the ones. Or they also have somebody now that's just rolling those and then they bundle them in like, like vacuum packs of 60 and they sell them off cheap. And they're called Maker's Choice because it's, the cigar rollers choice that's how they're ro- and then they choice yeah. cuts that they're not using it's all the discarded shit gotcha but it tastes fucking incredible yeah but the construction is dog shit it's one end's not even trimmed like it's just but it's good they have their purpose though they have their purpose yeah. right otherwise you're just wasting fucking tobacco that someone would be like yeah I'll pay 40 cents a piece or 60 cents a piece for that like style of a thing when you yeah. just want to like do something really quick. So that's where that comes from. So like I have like a little section in my humidor for those and I have that, you know, and then I have the jar that's got the shit in it and whatever. So it's like, you know, I've got, and then I got gifted a really nice big 150 count by a client who had to give up smoking cigars. And he brought me a full box of Romeo and Juliet short stories from Cuba that he bought in the box, receipt, fucking paperwork, everything in this nice humidor. And he's like, I can't fucking smoke them because he had a heart attack. And his doctor was like, you can keep smoking cigars or you can stop. And he's Mm. like, I'm going to stop. So he gave me that humidor and a full box of Cubans. And so I kind of have like just the Cubans in that box with a couple other Cubans that I brought back from Mexico. But gotcha, which is a whole nother story. We'll talk about (laughs) buying how not to buy fake Cubans next time. Yeah. Maybe we'll put that on the list. Yeah, the cigar game is like it. it it's it, there's so much, so many parallels with bourbon, but it's it's different at the same time. Yes, you know it's it's so fascinating to me because I have very little knowledge in the cigar world. Um, actually, zero, <laughs> basically none. Uh, but I, I see so many similarities between that and and bourbon. It, very it's much. Just, so. It's just crazy. That's why I like it. Yeah, very very cool. But yeah, we'll do the. Uh, That'll be what? Next month will be February. We'll do a don't buy a fake Cuban cigar uh, <laughs> while on spring break. Yeah. The, I think that would be very helpful. because The guy walking on the beach in Nassau in yeah. the Bahamas yeah, yeah, yeah. is not selling you a Cuban cigar. I don't fucking care what he says, and I don't care what that label says. I would hope 
for the uh, hovering people that do watch this or, or, excuse me, hear this episode. Yeah, the four people. That you would not fucking buy a Cuban cigar from anybody walking the beach in Nassau. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But I can see where that disclaimer or, or at least right. that piece of advice would be helpful for but most people. But we'll talk people. about it the next yeah. time. So, yeah, and I actually have some, like, photographic proof of, like, side-by-side. Side. So it's, it's kind of yeah. cool because, like, I had a guy send me a text and he was like, this one is fake, isn't it? And I looked at it and I was like, yes. And he's like, oh, my buddy says it's real. And I, I had my favorite Cuban cigar is a Monte Cristo number two. So it's a torpedo. Um, and it's just, it's just my favorite. Like if I had one Cuban cigar or whatever, I will buy, I won't buy a box of them because I can't afford it. But when I did go to Mexico on my 40th birthday, you know, Melissa and I went on a fly fishing trip and did that shit. But, um, I did buy, um, you know, probably eight or 10 cigars and four of them were MC number twos. And I've been gifted some of the same MC number twos from guys that fly fish that travel to Cuba and to Mexico and places because there are, there is an official Cuban retailer of cigars and they're all over the world. And it's a, it's an official, official place. So like you can't just walk into a fucking gas station in Paraguay and be like, Oh yeah, these are real Cubans. No, but you, but there is a Casa del Habano official distributor of Cuban cigars in the capital city of Asuncion, Paraguay, mm-hmm. that you can go and buy real shit from. You're going to pay for it. Sure. But it is real. It's a real deal. It is, it is a real deal. So I don't, you know, I think they're a little, I think they're overpriced and I think they're overhyped, but. It is, it is still fun to have them. I mean, I'm sure people say the same shit about Blanton's and Pappy and yeah. all that bullshit, too. So, so real quick, because we do got to close this out. Yeah. But the, the term Cuban cigar comes up so often. Mm-hmm. Real quick, what is what makes it a Cuban cigar, and why is that like so highly touted? It has to be grown there. Okay. It has to be. Because all of these, there are so many cigars that are were grown from Cuban seeds. So like okay. all those houses that I was mentioning, like Partagas and Macanudo and Cohiba and all that shit, when General Cigar Company bought the rights to produce a non-Cuban version of Cohiba after the Cuban embargo, they were like, well, this brand needs to be out in the world i.e. the United States, Mm -hmm. because everywhere else in the fucking world you can still buy them. But it still needs to live on in the Americas. That's why you have a general cigar company, Cohiba, Macanudo. And those, they just took the seeds and grew them in Jamaica. They grew them in the Dominican Republic. They grew them in Honduras. They grew them in all over, you know. But you know as well as I do, like, you... The cigar flavor profile and all that shit is just like the bourbon. Sure. It. I don't. I don't care if I go and buy from Maker's Mark the same ingredients. If I don't do it the way they do it in those barrels and where they do it and where they do it in the climate and the water and all that shit, it's not gonna fucking be the same. Gotcha. So it's the same thing. I could. I could go get. I could fly to Cuba tonight get some seeds and fly back here and we could fucking plant tobacco in your backyard with the same Cuban seed, and it's not going to be okay 
it's not going to be the same. Gotcha. So, and that's why, you know, the same reason why I like certain cigars grown and aged and rolled and all that shit in Nicaragua, because it's, it's got more to do with what Nicaragua offers than what just that seed offers. So, yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's just part of why they're so, you know, such a thing. Yeah. Because it's got to be from there, rolled, aged, everything, grown, all of it. So, and a lot of, there's a lot of Cuban cigars and such that are not aged. So, which means they come out, they cut them, and they roll them. Um, and there are a bunch of, like, cigars out in the world that are aged. Like, the tobacco is hung and aged for a while. Um, but, yeah, you know, some people are doing it five, ten years. Some people are doing it very, very short, like, and you know, when, when some people say like, is it, are they, are they aged? It's like, you know, it's going to take a period of time from when you pick it and do it. And, you know, but like, they're not put somewhere for five years and then. Sure. Yeah. 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 But um, they have to dry out and, you know, like. Yeah. Right. So, so the, the aging process is. It's not relative, but it's like, you know, they don't, they don't pick it today and roll it tomorrow, and then it's not aged. Something aged would be like, yeah, it's aged two, five years, whatever, things like that. Um, so that, that's kind of a unique um, thing that some of them do and some of them don't. So it's, it's just, you know, it's just how they age them and how long they do it. And it's, it's just one of those things that they all have their kind of own little different thing. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it's, it's just what makes them a very, you know, because then some people also, quote, age them in their own humidor. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not like, like bourbon won't age when it's in a bottle. Right. Because it's just bourbon in a glass bottle. Mm-hmm. Whereas a cigar in a humidor can adjust because it's in oh so you're saying even like after it's rolled yeah oh okay yeah, both <clears throat> i yeah. was thinking before like more and like, after yeah okay uh-huh. okay yeah interesting yeah because you can take um and i and i've seen it just in like a, a one or two year time frame i've i've taken and bought in even shorter because sometimes i'll buy a box of cigars if i know that i want this box of cigar and I will take and take all of the cigars out of my humidor. And I'll take a couple of those. And I'll put them in the bottom. Quote, hide them from myself. I'll put some <laughs> in the bottom and I'll let them roll. And then I'll stack the other ones in there. And I move shit around constantly to make sure nothing gets like stagnant or, you know, whatever. And, you, and I can tell if I smoke, let's say, a CAO Brasilia. Because I know what it tastes like. I smoke them all the time. Like if I smoke one that I have had in my in my humidor for a month, or I have had one in my humidor for two years, I can tell the difference. So, because you know when when they package those cigars, they get them to you. They're in cellophane wrappers, yep. and a cigar can breathe through a cellophane wrapper for sure. That's okay. how they you know 
So it's it's not like it's cut off from the entire world because you wouldn't it would go bad. Yeah. You know because they have to have a certain humidity and a certain temperature and all that shit. But once they take them out of where they are rolled and aged in the house that they're made in, they put them in the cellophane and they ship them. Now they're going to sit sealed in cellophane. So they'll be in little cellophane sleeves in a box with 20 other cellophane-wrapped cigars. That box will be wrapped <laughs> in plastic, <laughs> right. and it'll be sitting in a, in a humidor. It's, it's different than if you were to take all of that plastic off, and you kind of have it in its own little mini-aging chamber, which is your humidor. Because, you know, the inside is... The inside of your of a good humidor is dried Spanish cedar. So it it like it does sort of the same thing that a fucking bourbon barrel does. Wow. It it soaks in stuff. It lets out, you know, it that that yeah, cedar kind of breathes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's always supposed to be the same temperature and the same humidity. Huh. But it gets in there and it just kind of bakes. Gotcha. So, so it, it technically it's kind of still aging. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Within your own, like, humidor that you have at the house. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, that's... It, and whether that's good or a, bad. Right, right? yeah, you know? yeah. But I, I've never really, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that... I mean, I've never had a cigar that I was like, oh, this is 10 years old, you know? Yeah. Whatever. But you do kind of have to be careful because you can develop, like, mold spores and shit in, in cigars and things like that. And you just have to keep an eye on stuff. You know, you can't just, like, lock shit away for 10 years and come back and be like, oh... I'm going to smoke this, but you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, it's things that I've, you know, that you just kind of find throughout, you know, and, and some things I feel like I've had in there for a year and they don't fucking taste any different. Right. Sometimes I dig something else out and I'm like, man, that's, I feel like it smokes a little better. I feel Mm -hmm. like it evens itself out. Cause sometimes you'll, if you buy a cigar and you pop it out of the cellophane wrapper and you go and smoke it, it doesn't smoke as even and it doesn't smoke as like well. Sure. It'll run up the side real bad on one because sometimes when they'll package them in that plastic and it doesn't circulate as well, you have dry spots and you have wet spots throughout that, that cigar. Whereas if you let it sit in your humidor, it'll level itself out and then you'll have an equal amount of, humidity through the whole cigar so then when you smoke that cigar it'll burn most of the time it'll make it burn more even and it'll be a more enjoyable smoke rather than like you know you see guys constantly like relighting cigars and doing this or the one side's burning quicker than the other side or whatever sometimes it's either your humidor's out of balance or you just bought it and popped it out of its plastic or its glass tube that it comes in. You know, you see that shit sometimes where you're like at a gas station, it's in a fucking test tube, you know? You're like, all right, whatever. The airborne tube. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, all right. I mean, they have measures to counteract, you know, the like drying out or being too humid. That's why they put them in those tubes, but it's not as, yeah. it's not as good as being in a really nice, stable humidor it's just gotcha yeah hmm. anyway we probably went longer than we should have well not that i need another vice to pick up but yeah right the cigars have always interest interests me but it's it's one of those things like you mentioned you know it, it's even it, it's even more tough or tougher than bourbon to me because you know you go pick up 
almost any bottle off the shelf at, at ABC of bourbon, you're yeah. like, ah, all right, you know, I, I'm going to get some kind of value out of this, right? Yeah. Uh, but with cigars, it's, I think it's it's more tricky because, you know, yeah. that your, your chances of picking up a cigar that probably are going to be not as uh, not as good of results <laughs> as you would have hoped yeah. is higher. Uh, so that's that's kind of tough. And, and I will say there are two cigars that in my whole cigar smoking career, which I was actually just talking to my brother-in-law, uh, Jared, the other day about this because, or at Christmas actually. So my sister married a guy named Jared. Uh, Melissa and I have been married since 2009. They got married in 2009, but earlier in that same year. And my sister's four and a half years younger than me. Jared, I think, is a year and a half older than her. So um, he, is, he was born in the Keys. His grandmother came from Cuba and rolled cigars and... Uh, was a, a super brilliant lady, but she didn't really do anything but like read novels and roll cigars. So she was very smart, you know, because they just would sit and read and roll cigars. Um, so Jared kind of was into it a little bit. And then when I got out of school, I had never really been into cigars and I went to work at Trek and then I started traveling around. And I was like, well, this is fucking kind of cool. And then at the time, Jared had graduated college and was trying to come back to Jacksonville because he and my sister were dating and I'd bought a house and Jared's like, well, I'm going to move to Jacksonville and I'm looking for a place to live. And, you know, at first he was like, oh, you know, like Jackie graduated and we'll like move in together. And my dad was like, the fuck you are. So I was like, well, Jared, I need a roommate. Why don't you come live here for a couple years until you guys all get settled and everybody's got jobs and then you're ready to, if you guys are going to get married and get engaged and then, yeah. you know, you'll, you can live together after you're married. And, um, so Jared lived with me for a couple of years. And then of course it was like two dudes living in a house, <laughs> drinking bourbon and smoking uh-huh. cigars. And, and it was fucking downhill from there because he knew a little bit about it and I was learning about it. So, it was one of those things that was like, well, this is just a fucking match made in heaven mm-hmm. for this was Vice City is what it was. So that's where my shit took off. You know, it's like I started in 2007, started getting into it. So then like from there, it's like, oh, my God, it's going to be, you know, and I've been doing it for longer than I thought. You know, it's 2024 <laughs> and I started in 07. Holy shit. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I'm still like obviously learning things and figuring things out and there's been literally two cigars in my since 2007 that I lit and smoked and didn't finish and the ones that I didn't finish the two were like five minutes and I fucking threw them in the water yeah they were they were to the point that I hated them so fucking much you know and that's to me that says something because I mean, I'll even drink wild turkey. You know, there's there's really not a bourbon that I'll throw out. And so in since 2007, there's been two cigars. The one they don't make anymore. Uh, the other one, I, I still think they do. 
And I, every time I like see it online or in a thing, I just laugh. And yeah. it's just like, that's a joke. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm sure people love it because it's, I mean, the brand's been around forever and ever and ever. But, and maybe I got a bad one. I just don't have, there's just too many other good ones to like even give that one another chance. Yeah. You know? So I just fucking, and Jared felt the same way. Like we had gotten him in a sampler pack and, uh, you know, he just went through and he's like, uh, we'll do five of these and five of these and five of these and five of these. You know, we just went and we bought it and we, we smoked them. We looked at each other like, fuck, we hadn't even smoked a, a quarter of an inch through that cigar. And we were like, fuck uh, it. This. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's go get, <laughs> let's throw the other Anything three else. out and fucking pull something <laughs> else. Cause we actually used to host uh, Thursday night college football at, at my house that Jared and I, cause I lived on a little lake, had a great back porch and um, Jared had a really nice humidor that his dad gave him. And I bought a really nice humidor. And we would have anywhere from six to eight guys come over and watch college football. Nice. And sometimes we'd grill out. Sometimes we'd get pizzas, whatever. And it was just like, you know, guys would literally come like direct after work, you know. Because we were all like, quote, younger professionals. We had just got all graduated from college. and. Sure. We didn't have families and married and whatever. And a fucking Thursday night, we'd watch till halftime or like, you know, whatever. And then the guys would go on their way. You know, we'd have some drinks, smoke a cigar, eat. And then be it was just something to look forward to, you know. Yeah. And we got to the point where I would keep a little book and the guys would buy cigars. Or we would say like, hey, Jared and I are going to order does anybody want anything to put in their collection? And we would keep, you know, however many cigars at the house that, you know, one guy might have 10, one guy might only have two, one yeah. guy, whatever. And I would keep them in a log book. So if Hunter McCamey had one of these and two of those and one of these, it was in the book. Yep. We put it in. You got, you initialed it. When you took one out, we did it. We initialed it. And I, I still have the book. Nice. And we did it for like three years. And uh, it was pretty cool because it was like our own little club. And the guys didn't have to worry about like, because they're like, we only kind of smoke cigars with y'all or we play golf. So they like, and they didn't want to have to go and buy a cigar every time before mm -hmm. they came in. They didn't have to worry about it. So like, they just knew that when they were going to come to work or come after work they would throw a bottle in the truck or they would get beer on the way at the gas station yeah and the cigar was there waiting on them you know every now and then i'd get an update and be like hey i still have i still got a cigar in the book right and be like yeah you got one you got six you got whatever and so it was cool and then the guys would trade or they'd be like i'll smoke let me smoke one of yours i'll smoke that one next time and it, it was just made it more fun yeah you know that's pretty cool yeah so a little social club yeah, a little social club. <laughs> so it, was, it was good. And then we all got fucking married. <laughs> <laughs> or kids or whatever. Yeah, it was. well, I know that's the thing. I still don't have kids. All those motherfuckers got kids now. So, yeah, maybe that's why I'm the one that's still talking about bourbon and cigars on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Man. Yeah, well, they're in the process of fucking wiping asses and bathing kids and putting them in bed. 727. It's late oh, to them. Oh, man. Well, man, we got to wrap this one up. Yeah, we do. I think we've uh, we've gone plenty over time. Hour twenty seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. We definitely got to hammer home uh, a little bit more cigar stuff in the future. That's that's, that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I see so many similarities of bourbon. It's it's crazy. But yeah. Anyway, damn. Episode nine. It's gonna wrap it up. Yep. Real quick. Sure. Honorable mention here. I just saw this come across. I had a buddy that just texted me while we were on 
the news just dropped, and it sucks because I'm a big Cubs fan. I know you're a Braves guy, but I'm a Cubs fan. Uh-oh. And one of my, like, not my favorite favorite, but one of my kind of childhood heroes, Ryan Sandberg. Oh. Number 23. Yeah. Got diagnosed with cancer. Oh. So it came out today, uh, metastatic prostate cancer, and has begun treatment. So Oof. that came out today. Prostate cancer is... That's not good. That's a tough one. Yeah. So, yeah, he played uh, played second base for the Chicago Cubs in War 23. And, yeah, I got a few few autograph balls from him. Some stuff. It, it was cool. So that, that just sucks. That does suck. You know, it's just like you feel like you're getting to the age where, like, you're watching your yeah. like your heroes fade. Yep. It sucks. It's but happening. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah. yeah, well, that's – I'm glad you hit a little little sports talk there because, obviously, it's – we're in that time of year where – It sucks. It's, it's honestly the worst fucking time of the year. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, NFL playoffs. Golf is starting but not really getting the good tournaments yet. Yeah. Uh, baseball's over. College football's over. Yeah, just January fucking sucks. It really does. At least yeah. we'll have, like, Super Bowl to talk about next – thing and yeah. the golf will get going and more yeah. and so yeah for sure all right well that's gonna close out episode nine yes i think that's right that's it <laughs> off the water podcast as usual my main guy over there chris adams yes sir i'm hunter mckamey we'll see you next time see ya.